Let go of everyday worries and find your calm with positive prayer from Silent Unity, the newest in voice-activated technology, available on any Alexa-enabled device like the Amazon Echo. Each prayer and meditation on positive prayer will help strengthen, guide, and comfort you. To enable it, just say, Alexa, open positive prayer. You can ask for a specific prayer on topics like healing, prosperity, and comfort. Give it a try today. Discover the power within. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome to the Yoga Hour, offering insights and practices for spiritually conscious living in today's world. Here is your host, Dr. Laurel Trujillo. Welcome to the Yoga Hour, where we talk about yoga in all its depth and breadth as a path to spiritually conscious, fulfilled living in today's world. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, host and producer of the show. Our topic today is embody your meditation practice. What role does our sitting posture play in the depth of our meditation? And what principles can we work with to further embody and deepen our practice? I am delighted today to be joined by my guest, Will Johnson, who received his B.A. magna cum laude in art and archaeology from Princeton University in 1968. After graduation, he worked for several years as an art critic in New York before moving to the West Coast of North America, where he began actively exploring gazing, moving, and sitting meditations. He became a Buddhist practitioner in 1972 and was trained as a rolfer. In 1976, he began the formal sharing of the practices of embodiment training in 1995. He's the author of several books, including the book we're discussing today, The Posture of Meditation. He lives in Costa Rica at his meditation center, Bamboo Cueco, and has many online programs. You can find out more about his books and programs at his website, embodiment.net. So welcome, Will Johnson. I'm delighted to have you join me today on the Yoga Hour. Happy to be here as well. So before we dive into our dialogue about embodying our meditation practice, let's begin with a moment of contemplation. Let's begin with a present moment, with a yoga moment. Oh. So let's start by just bringing our attention to our bodies. Whatever we're doing, whether we're sitting, standing, walking, wherever we are, just feeling our bodies in space, feeling all of the surfaces that support us. So perhaps your feet are on the ground, perhaps you're sitting in a chair or you're walking. Just feel the connection of your body with all of the supporting surfaces. And then let's bring our attention to our breath. It's a wonderful tool. It's always with us. It helps us come to the present moment. So just notice as you take a fully conscious breath on the next inhale and exhale. On the next inhale, noticing the cool air in the nostrils. And on the exhale, the warm air flowing out. And as we rest right here, right where we are, 
here's something to contemplate from Yogacharya O'Brien's book, The Jewel of Abundance. Meditation can be practiced seated on the floor, on a cushion, or in a chair. The posture should be relaxed but firm with the spinal column straight. Sitting still with the spine straight and head erect encourages vital force to flow upward into the higher energy centers and helps us remain alert. An upright posture also reflects the quality of mind that is most conducive to meditative awareness. A firm intention to experience God or truth balanced with peaceful surrender to divine grace and timing. Once again, Will Johnson, welcome to the Yoga Hour podcast. So I have really enjoyed your book, The Posture of Meditation, a practical manual for meditators of all traditions. And I know that the book was first published in 1996 with a recent second edition, which was published just last year in 2020. So I wanted to start out by asking you, why were you drawn initially to writing a book about meditation posture? Uh Well, you know, for me, the practice is more uh, what we conventionally call physical than what we call mental. And what was coming up for me, I was particularly enjoying your titling this segment, Embodying, your your meditation practice. All too often, the meditation, or certainly within the Buddhist world, the practices that are coming over from Asia have become a bit rigid, a bit stiff, a bit stale, frankly, focusing more on this uh, event that we call mind, uh, rather than actually just focusing on the lived experience of sitting down in the posture. So for me, the practices were extremely physical. That uh, you know, I almost teach uh, uh, meditation. Well, they teach it less like a mental exercise of focusing on an object of attention, losing the awareness of that object, bringing it back, than I do is just really exploring the upright sitting posture, mm-hmm. that we're really bringing body back to felt life. And every part of the body, down to the smallest cell, there is what I call the shimmer, sensations. But so lost in thought are we that we mostly have no awareness of this felt presence. So for me, I want the meditation practice to be about awakening this felt presence more than just staying within a concept that we call mind and you know those practices are very good they can quiet the mind they can still the mind but i really want to awaken the body and move past the whole structure of mind itself well what i really appreciated about your book is that you really you know link how the body the, the posture of the body really sets the you know the the mental um I guess, framework or the mental kind of horizon, I guess I would say, and that there is um, actually, you have a lovely diagram in the book of a drawing of uh, the Buddha and all of the, you know, the uh, angles and kind of this perfection of, of uh, form that apparently is often used in, in images, you know, of the Buddha. But your point is that there's actually a way that we can embody um, this, this, um, um, experience, you know, of meditation, that that is actually, uh, and you actually have a a quote, I think, from, you know, one of the um, early um, um, 
teachers of Zen in America. I'm forgetting which one, but you know how it's really embodying, you know, that's like the kind of the purpose of meditation is if we can get into that posture and fully embody that posture, it's the, it's, it's a, it's an experience then of this state of mind that we are all trying to attain, you know, in meditation. Right. You know, how you are in your body is the expression of what's going to manifest as your consciousness. Yes. So, you know, focusing on, first of all, waking, waking it up, uh, uh, what I call the shimmer, the felt uh, experience of of body on every part of the body, down to the smallest cell, little pin prick, pin uh, prick blips of uh, of sensation, and you can feel them as a current uh, running through. That is the alive, awakened body that, frankly, then uh, manifests as an alive, awakened consciousness. You know, mm. Buddha means to wake up. And what is so very, very asleep is that we all have this extraordinarily rich and fertile web of feeling presence that has really gone to sleep. In fact, it has to have gone to sleep to the degree that we stay within what I call the quality of consciousness that passes as normal in the world at large, which is essentially lost in thought. Mm. So, you know, lost in thought and identifying with the speaker of all those thoughts we have to shut down. We have to really put to sleep this whole extraordinary feeling web. So it's the awakening of this web through assuming some simple structural uh, and somatic principles uh, th- that I'm really, uh, you know, focused on through this practice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, before we go any farther, I did want to mention that one of the things I appreciated about your book is, although you are a Buddhist and you're writing. Um, some of the material in the book is really from a Buddhist perspective, but I really appreciated the universality of the teachings about posture. And you write in the book, the principles underlying the posture of meditation are universal in their application. They apply equally to the meditator who is working with a Buddhist or secular mindfulness practice, a Christian form of contemplation, or a Hindu mystical practice. They apply to all of us who have had the good fortune to recognize that coming to sitting can be one of the most potent gestures we're capable of performing. I, I love that last part, by the way, you know, one of the most potent gestures we're capable of performing. That's really beautiful. So um, I, I wanted to just give a chance to talk about that for meditators who may be listening and who aren't from a Buddhist perspective. So can you talk about the feedback you've had about these principles from kind of all over the map? Okay, yeah, it's interesting. Uh, it, you know, one thing to say, first of all, I... I love sitting practices, whether it comes from a Buddhist uh, perspective or a yogic perspective or a secular perspective or, or whatever. For me, the practice is about sitting, and that is uh, universal. Now, it's interesting. I Yes, I did. I've studied with a lot of Buddhist teachers, a lot of yoga teachers, a lot of somatics teachers, uh, and... I never formally affiliated myself with any one teacher, lineage, or tradition. I preferred to focus on the denominator common to all of them, which is this glorious gesture of sitting. So, yeah, now the current edition of the Posture of Meditation, it is a second edition. It's now 20, it's kind of a 25th anniversary uh, edition, because when that entered into, you know, just the Buddhist consciousness, for people who explored it 
mostly the response that I've gotten back is that the results were extraordinary, that through, you know, through the awakening of the body, through these simple principles, they were able to get what the teachings of their particular lineage were talking about. Now, in the longer retreats that I've taught over, uh, over the years, uh, what to me was very interesting was the feedback from the longtime meditators. One at the end of the retreat, honestly, it was tears of gratitude that this had been shown to them. There were also some tears of anger as to why, why wasn't this shown to me 20 years ago? So, uh, you know, I encourage people to, you know, work with, uh, work with people, go and in, go into retreat, you know, work with teachers, just take the posture with you when you do. Mm-hmm. No, ab- absolutely. So, um, <clears throat> another, um, thing that you wrote that was very striking to me is you wrote, um, indeed the posture of meditation could be viewed as a mudra of transformation, a bodily gesture or attitude through which the process of transformation has no choice but to begin. Mm -hmm. Wow. So again, posture of meditation could be viewed as a mudra of transformation, a bodily gesture or attitude through which the process of transformation has no choice but to begin. So can you say more about that? How is the process of transformation triggered by this mudra, by this sitting posture? Yeah, well, we're coming back to what we were talking about a few minutes ago, how you are in your body will manifest the consciousness that uh, that you're experiencing in the moment. So, you know, think of it, there are gestures of the body, anger, it's so taut and intense, sadness, so uh, compressed, depressed, fear, startled. Uh, every condition of consciousness depends on a reflecting uh, condition of embodiment. So when we enter into a posture, we'll get into this, I'm sure, in a second, that first of all is upright. What that does, it takes away our need to keep bracing against gravity. And so what that then allows is us to let go and relax. And we'll talk about uh, also the next thing I'm going to mention in a few minutes, I'm sure. And in the most deeply relaxed condition, ah, you breathe in and out, and everything subtly, constantly, almost like an amoeba, moves. So in that condition of body, what happens is all the holding, the holding, the tension, the freezing in the body that has kept us locked within a very limited, frankly claustrophobic quality of consciousness can just start letting go. And things start percolating, coming to the surface, where we just accept them and yield to them and allow them. And they, in a sense, uh, in a a release, whatever it is that we've been holding on to, whatever it is that we've been holding back on to. You mentioned the name of our center, uh, 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 Bamboo uh, Hueco. That comes from a quote from the uh, 11th century Mahamudra teacher, Tilopa become like a hollow bamboo. You know, we let go of any resistance and holding, and then whatever needs to work itself out does so, and as it does, it reveals in its place what is, for all of us, this uh, this dimension of experience that we get 
that, that we're, we're getting drawn to things like yoga and meditation to, you know, to settle into or to have come alive in ourselves. When I sit down, you know, and I align, yeah, I feel the alignment, uh, the relaxation through the body. It awakens, it comes alive as I breathe. Everything starts moving. What happens is that that condition of body demands that whatever I'm holding on to, let's go. Mm. And that for me is the, uh, you know, is the ultimate aim of these spiritual practices to let go of our resistances that are really keeping us from just becoming who we are. Mm. Mm. So you mentioned uh, kind of in, in passing there, these three principles that I really want to talk with you about <clears throat> the principles of alignment, relaxation and resilience. Um, but can you say a little bit about where they came from? So where, where did this, how did this start for you? <laughs> okay. Well, it started with, uh, uh, my going to, uh, you know, 10 day uh, Buddhist retreats in the late 1970s, loving them, but realizing that something is just crazy about uh, how everybody's sitting for these long hours and there's struggle, there's struggle, there's struggle, there's struggle, there's struggle, there's bracing. Okay, I was also an early student of Ida Rolfs, and just as an aside, she never wanted Rolfing to become, in a sense, what it's become, which is sort of a glorified form of physiotherapy. She knew it could work that way, but she really viewed this bringing the body to a condition of upright balance as a mudra that will, in her words, uh, awaken evolutionary energies resulting in an evolutionary transformation of consciousness. That's what she was after. But a lot of people don't know about her. I believe it was in the 1920s. She was living in New York. She found a group in upstate New York of tantric yogis and studied with them. So she had a lot of understanding of how the body impacts consciousness. Now, for me, I kept taking some of the principles that I would uh, work with her uh, on, you know, right into the sitting posture because it seemed like the perfect venue for exploring what she called the line, which is a, con uh, 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 a condition of upright alignment. Why, 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 what about the upright alignment? Not to get tight with it and try to preen for height. The upright alignment allows you to let go. It allows you to relax without toppling over. So, uh, it, it, you know, this all came to me, actually. I think it was a, uh, an 18-day self-retreat that I did uh, many, many years ago. Oh, and I actually had a rolfer friend come in and work on my body during the retreat. And I liked doing self-retreats because I could go for runs and I could do yoga postures. And I think it was about the 12th or 13th day of retreat. It, boom, it just came together in one of those flashing moments of recognition. Yes. The upright alignment, it's like a sweet spot that, ah, no more bracing against gravity. It's almost like a floating sensation. And then I got, oh, it allows me to completely relax and let go through the entire body, sensation by sensation. And then what for me was the really remarkable uh, revelatory experience, and this is the most radical piece that I bring to the, uh, well, to the sitting meditation, you know, conversation, that for a body to be relaxed over time, and Tilopa, again, that name from the Mahamudra tradition, he's a very pithy sentence, the whole of meditation, do nothing, 
but relax. Do nothing with the body, but relax. But for relaxation to continue over time, we have to allow these altogether natural, spontaneous, subtle, sometimes not so subtle, uh, amoeba-like motions at every joint in the body in resilient response to the force of breath that wants to pass through the body just like a wave passes through a body of water. And those three came together, as I said, in this kind of flashing moment of recognition. And this is primarily the foundation that I've been sharing, well, now for the last, uh, uh, you know, for the last 25 years, it is proving so impactful for people who are open to this alternative perspective on what the game of sitting down in meditation might actually be all about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I think since uh, I really want to get a chance to talk with you about all three of those things, I think we should go ahead and, and dive in. So um, so uh, you write in the book about these three essential aspects of the posture of meditation, which are alignment, relaxation, and resilience. And so starting with alignment, most people probably have a mental image of what alignment might look like as part of meditation posture. So can you say more about that? What do you mean by alignment and why it is important? Yeah, well, it's really exploring uh, the vertical, this imaginary upright vertical axis. Now, it doesn't correspond to any anatomical feature of the body, but just think of it for a moment. Uh, Structures uh, that conform their shape to an upright vertical alignment. I'm thinking of the giant sequoia trees in California, uh, skyscrapers, uh, the spires of Gothic cathedrals. It's almost like a sweet spot, this one uh, coordinate that, ah, no longer do you have to brace against gravity. Gravity actually then kind of buoys you up. You, 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 you can experience a kind of buoyant sensation when you find that place of alignment, and I hesitate to even call it a place, because you're just playing with this dance of balancing around the upright. There is no place. That, again, would be a held uh, situation. And when we get to relaxation and especially resilience, everything is very alive. It's motile. It's, uh, it's moving. Now, look, the Buddha, in uh, one of the very earliest texts whose words are attributed to him, he, said that he says the first thing to do when you sit down in your sitting meditation posture is to make sure that your spine is erect and upright. Uh, and, it, it, you know, I've watched this, and it's very fascinating, especially in Southeast Asia, where the... Uh, you know, the students of this particular form of Buddhist Dharma, they revere this text. Uh, the posture is very collapsed. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's as though we've you know, lost sight of some of these principles. Uh, if a posture is collapsed, you are having to hold on so you don't topple over. That's all there is to it. Mm-hmm. And if you play with this upright, imaginary vertical, a lot of magic starts happening. So I really want to get practical for our listeners. And I know you give a lot of really practical tips about, you know, alignment. But one of the first principles is making sure that the pelvis is above 
the knees and you encourage people to to fool around with that and try different heights of cushions and whether they're sitting on the floor or in a chair so can you say more about you know about that about the importance of that one you know that one kind of starting point making sure that the pelvis is higher yeah going back to what i just said about practitioners in southeast asia often people are sitting on maybe a mat with no raising of the pelvis uh, the knees are actually higher than the pelvis when you sit on a hard floor like that. And what that tends to do is move the weight of the upright torso back behind yourself or back behind the, uh, you know, the sitting bones of the pelvis. And honestly, you have no choice but to collapse in that kind of posture. So if you raise your pelvis up a little bit, ah, that... Uh, you know, creates a situation where, ah, there's a tendency I can sit either right on top of the sitting bones or even a bit in front of them. And that forms the, the stable base of support for the torso, the neck, the head to find themselves to this effortless or far more, far less effortful place of, uh, of upright alignment. So yeah, the sitting bones, you know, raise the pelvis up Ah, the pelvis rocks forward a little bit, and then everything can just, well, find its way into place. One, one thing to add right here, which to me is always interesting, alignment, my wife often says this, alignment is an inside job, mm. meaning not so much like looking in a mirror and, oh, that shoulder's high, I'll bring it down, oh, I better bring my uh, you know, neck back. It's awakening the feeling presence in the body. And the feeling presence of the lower torso, when the pelvis is a little higher than the knees, it creates this foundation that lets the feeling presence start to emerge throughout the body. And then it's like uh, uh, it's like building a, a snow person, right? That you create a, a large ball, except we're not using snow, we're using feeling presence. Mm. This large presence in the torso. Ah, and then I can feel Ah, the upper torso, balancing over that, and then the head. Ah, that feeling presence, just sitting right on top. So that's alignment. Mm -hmm. And there is no perfect alignment. It's simply a dance. Mm. No, it's, it's really lovely. And with that, we've come to the end of our, of our first uh, segment here of the program. You're listening to The Yoga Hour. Our guest today is Will Johnson, author of the book we're talking about today, The Posture of Meditation, a practical manual for meditators of all traditions. You can find out more about Will Johnson, his books and programs at his website, embodiment.net. We welcome your comments and questions. You can contact us at yogahour at unity.fm. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, producer and host of the show. When we come back from the break, we'll explore more about embodying your meditation practice with some tips about how we can improve our alignment, relaxation, and resilience. We'll be right back.
Are you ready to experience the rich interconnection of spirituality, orientation, and identity? If so, plan to attend Liberating Your Divine Identity, a retreat at Unity Village during Pride Month, June 9th to the 12th. This soul-filled retreat is facilitated by LGBTQIA plus Unity Ministers with workshops and ceremonies to cultivate a deeper awareness of our spiritual nature. Register at unityvillage.org forward slash divine 2022 Practical Spirituality Positive Messages This is Unity Online Radio the voice of an awakening world. Welcome back to the Yoga Hour. Insights and practices for spiritually conscious living. Welcome back from the break. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo here today with Will Johnson, who's been sharing the practices of embodiment training since 1995. He's the author of several books, including the one we're talking about today, The Posture of Meditation. So, Will, getting back to what we were talking about right before the break, you were talking about, we were discussing the importance of having the pelvis be above the knees. And then what happens, you mentioned kind of in passing, but I wanted to go back to it, what happens when that's not the case? And you mentioned that then you get into this kind of, uh, um, I don't know, the, the lower spine, the you know lumbar spine kind of rocks back. So you're not, um, you're not sitting uh, on your sits bones or ahead of your sits bones. You're sitting behind your sits bones. And you can't do that and keep your back upright. So basically what then happens is the is the, well, I'll let you talk about that. Is <laughs> you wrote a great, you know, you wrote a great, uh, or you drew a great uh, uh, picture in the book, a little illustration of this kind of a C-shaped posture, uh, the letter C-shaped posture that you get into with kind of a, uh, your back uh, turning into the letter C and your head, you know, dropping forward. So can you talk about that? And also like what effect that has on the consciousness? Okay. Uh, it, yeah. If you're sitting in a, a, a position, your knees are higher than your pelvis, the weight of your upper body goes behind your sitting bones. And you said it's kind of an exaggerated, elongated C-curve in your back. The lumbar spine starts moving back up through the thoracic spine, and the head really has no choice but to, uh, uh, the back of the neck elongates and your head drops forward. Okay. Just as we were saying earlier in the hour, that is going to create a quality or condition of consciousness. And what it is, is one of, uh, uh, well, of stuckness, of holding, of tension, any kind of energetic flow is going to be, uh, is going to be stopped. You know, the awakening of the physical sensations of the body in an upright posture it gets very motile, very shimmery. It's as though a current is flowing through. Think of a garden hose that you've knotted or tautened. No water can flow through that. And that is essentially what happens with that collapsed posture that then, I don't know if we could say this, I suppose we could, then manifest as a collapsed consciousness. Mm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, indeed. And I also really appreciated the descriptor that you used for the opposite of that. So when we are sitting in alignment, when our weight is uh, on our sits bones or forward of our sits bones and everything is aligned above that, you know, you use the word buoyancy, buoyancy. Boy, buoyancy. And I really like that because um, I've experienced that now, of course, not always. <laughs> 
I catch myself too, you know. But when I am in alignment and upright, there is a buoyancy to it. And you don't feel that you are struggling against gravity. Somehow it's, and I I love the image of the upright uh, sequoia tree because the sequoia does not look like it's struggling against gravity. (laughs) It really is this beautiful upright you can almost say, even use the word buoyant to describe that. There is a buoyancy to it. And and if you haven't experienced this in meditation, I encourage you to try these things. And as I think I alluded to earlier, one of the things to play with is the is the cushion that you're sitting on, the position, to, and you want to try and get your um, pelvis above your knees. So did you want to say anything more about that, Will? Well, sure. That creates the base of support that lets the torso, the neck, and the head start uh, playing. I call it, call it with this subtle dance of balancing around the upright vertical. And, you know, you use the word buoyancy. That's not just a platitude. It's an actual palpable felt experience that, oh, suddenly... I'm playing around this imaginary upright vertical and gravity isn't grabbing down on me quite so uh, grievously as it was. And in its place does come a physical sensation of buoyancy. And I'm reminded of, uh, you know, if you put someone on your shoulders, you you carry them around and then you take them off, you, ah, there's the weight isn't there. And whoa, there's often an experience of buoyancy and feeling uplifted uh so so this again is just the physical uh, or the consciousness manifestation of the physical posture yeah well that's so great so you write about three structural relationships that promote this uh, natural condition of alignment and meditation posture so the first one we've talked about pelvis higher than knees and oh i should before we go on from that I i i also really enjoyed your statement that there is no perfect alignment that we don't align from the outside that we align from the inside and that alignment is going to look differently for different people and that depending on the the geometry of your body it's going to feel different Um, different to you. And it's something we have to experiment with. So I I really liked your focus on experimentation. So trying different cushions, trying maybe even seeing, adding a different one, another one, seeing if it's too high, you know, seeing if that's not quite comfortable, just, you know, playing with it. And I, I thought that was really worthwhile. So the next one, the next relationship that you write about um, besides the pelvis higher than the knees is the pelvis tipping forward pelvis tipping forward. Um, so I, I guess it kind of goes along with what we've been, what we've been saying. So how can people, and you write a little, you have a beautiful little exercise about this, but how can people experiment with that pelvis tipping forward, which may look different in different, in different bodies? Yeah. And it, and it is different in different bodies. And, you know, I really like what you're saying. All of these practices, yoga practices, meditation practices, we're not trying to perfect anything. We're just entering into a path of self-discovery. We make these own discoveries for ourselves through the awakening of, uh, of, of the awareness, the awareness of the physical awareness of buoyancy, the physical awareness of sensation. Okay. With a pelvis higher than the knees, ah, your weight does naturally tilt a little bit forward. 
and that creates the uh, the solid foundation. And in some ways, the easiest way to explain this is if you you're playing, you're just kind of rocking backwards and forwards on your pelvis. As you're sitting, as you go way behind your sitting bones, you have no choice but to collapse. You go forward and you're going to feel this uplifting kind of impulse or surge that uh, that passes through you. Ultimately, when we bring resilience into it, everything moves and the pelvis actually can rock on the inhalation, actually kind of forward on the inhalation, a little bit backwards on the exhalation. But, you know, definitely it all starts with getting that pelvis higher than the knees to create the foundational base of support. And what you just mentioned is a way that listeners can play with it is try going, rocking back and forward. So just try rocking too far back and you feel that you feel the first thing I feel is my lower back collapses and then coming forward, coming forward, coming forward and maybe go too far forward. And then coming back, kind of, you know, rocking back and forth like that, you find the sweet spot that you're talking about that has the buoyancy. So we've got the the uh, pelvis higher than the knees, the pelvis tipping forward. And then the, the third piece that you talk about is the stacking of the upper of the upper body. Yeah, it's like uh, the lower torso uh, is beneath the, you know, the horizontal diaphragm, the upper torso, the rib cage gets stacked almost like building blocks on top of that. You've got the yoke of the shoulders, the arms hanging down, the, uh, you know, the neck, the head. Again, vertical, 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 but finding that verticality through relaxing into it, not by forcing from the outside in, to sit in, in you know, a way that you think is aligned because that's just going to add a lot of tension to what mm-hmm. it is you're already doing and the whole purpose of the practice. Remember the quote from Tilopa, do nothing but relax. That's the whole of it. That's all we're really wanting to do here. Through that, doing nothing with the body but relaxing, the awakening, the opening, the transformation occurs. So two other things I, I appreciated when you were writing about this. So one is this clarification that we say straight spine, which is a it is something that is a routine uh, instruction in meditation. <clears throat> but it does not mean getting rid of the curvature of the natural curvature of the spine. You're not actually trying to flatten out, <laughs> for example, the you know that little uh, bend in the you know, in the uh, lumbar spine, it's meant to be, they stack on top of each other in a very natural way. The the curves kind of balance each other out. And if you try and get rid of them and make the spine somehow without those, then again, you are in a a place where you're adding more tension than, um, than just being in this natural buoyant alignment. Would you agree? Oh, yeah, completely. Now looking at a spine, from the front of the back of the body, you know, it, it can look uh, relatively straight, although, um, you know, something I've never actually seen in all my years as a rolfer, I've never seen a perfectly stacked straight spine. We all have some little uh, aberration from slight deviations to strong, uh, you know, scoliosis. And obviously from this side, it's anything but a straight line. You've got the natural, curvature, the inward curvature of the lumbar spine, moving back 
through the uh, thoracic spine, moving forward and up through the cervical spine. Remember, I said this uh, coordinate, the, up, the imaginary upright vertical, it doesn't correspond to any anatomical feature of the body. It's just a place for us to play with and uh, uh, you know, dance around. Dance is an interesting word, because the more you do play with it, that's where the buoyancy comes from. Mm-hmm. Every, and, and, and you get that uplifting. Mm-hmm. All right, so we've talked about alignment, <clears throat> given listeners some tips about how they can explore that for themselves. And then the next principle is relaxation. So can you say more about this relaxation? What yeah. does it bring to this idea? Because you don't give up the alignment. The alignment is the base that yeah. then you relax into. Yeah, well, the alignment allows you to relax without toppling over. You know, it's it's actually as you know as simple as that. The, the whole purpose of the alignment is that you can start the process of relaxation. Now, look, mostly what uh, passes as relaxation in our culture is not real relaxation. It's mostly distraction. Now, by re- relaxation, what I'm getting at again, I'm going to go back to what we said earlier. In every part of the body, there are these little pinprick blips of sensation. They mass, billions of them, unbelievably small. And you can feel them as a kind of a shimmering current. Oh, some of them are very pleasurable. Some of them, when we really start giving ourselves permission to feel, you know, to awaken the body, can be very, very, very painful. But we just let them, we let them come to awareness, and that's what the alignment does. Because we, we're not holding and bracing, the holding and bracing against gravity also shuts down our awareness of this web of sensation, uh, as is done in some body-oriented uh, uh, schools in Burma or in, uh, in, in some of the body scanning techniques that are popular in hospitals. You can just simply bring the awareness to the top of the head. And what I, how I view it, it's not just observing sensation. Yes, we want to bring sensation to life, but it is not just observing sensation. What I, how I teach this is you take your awareness to the part of the body and you extend an invitation to that part of the body to awaken, to let its felt shimmer come present and immediately, immediately greet its acceptance of your invitation with this gesture of letting go and relaxing. So the relaxation, uh, it, it can go part by part through the entire body. And in this way, we not only awaken the felt shimmer, but immediately we start relaxing it over and over and over through the entire body. And the more you do this, the deeper uh, it goes. So again, relaxation is a gesture very tied up to the awakening of sensation and you know everybody who's listening to this just go to a part of your body that is the most uncomfortable and ah just let the aware let the feeling presence be there and immediately ah what happens if you just relax right through that place and then of course you're going to be moving around because ultimately it's relaxing the whole of the body you know we can do these practices and parse them out part by part in the beginning but ultimately, it's just this gesture of uh, letting go and relaxation through the whole body. And it's palpable. It's, 
it's feelingful. You know, this is so much of the major uh, theme, I guess. In some ways, I hammer away at the Buddhist world about it. It's not just some kind of abstruse examination of the mind. It's an awakening of the relaxed feeling presence through the whole of the body. Mm. And when I was listening to you, I was, I was sort of reminding myself, so that is happening around this alignment that you already have there. And so as you relax these different patterns of held tension that we have in the body, that feeling of buoyancy can just increase. You feel like you're becoming more and more buoyant or can happen that way. Yeah, um, it, it is. It's a buoyancy. <clears throat> you could almost call it an and lightning. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. The other thing that I that I wanted to mention is what I noticed myself. I know I, I carry tension in my shoulders and particularly on my right shoulders. I'm right-handed. And I will begin a meditation and I will be um, inviting that area to relax. And then as I proceed and my meditation deepens, I realize there's a whole level of tension that I didn't even realize was there before. So there's even more to let go of the deeper that I go in meditation. It just kind of proceeds. And sometimes I'm amazed at how much I still, I feel like I've let go of a lot and I'm amazed at how much there still is there to let go. I've never seen the end of it. It's, you get (laughs) openings uh you know that reveal maybe the next deeper layer of of holding it's what i call the primal contraction uh you know every time we have a feeling or anything in our life and it's not okay we have to do something with it so we shunt it down to what i call the primal contraction the theravadins call it the reservoir of sankaras and this is what the practices seem to do i align myself i relax i let go and it comes up to the surface where, ah, it releases, whoa, uplifting, buoyancy. <laughs> and then, uh-oh, the next deeper layer that I, I wasn't even aware of. Because I was right. too, I couldn't feel it. That comes up, and it's not a moment of, oh, I was so light a second ago, and now I'm heavy again. No, this is this ongoing process. Then the next layer comes up, same thing. Ah, we just give it permission to manifest, uh, uh, greet, it's emergence with a gesture of acceptance and letting go and relaxation. And we just go deeper and deeper and deeper. To me, the goal of the practice is not to get to any final destination, but to, in a sense, ride the celebratory current mm. of, uh, of healing. Mm. I love that. Ride the celebratory current. That's beautiful. All right. So we've talked about alignment. We've talked about relaxation. And your third thing that you really write about is resilience. So what do you mean by resilience? Yeah. Okay. Now, now this is really the most radical piece that I bring to the Buddhist conversation, frankly, the conversation around any approach to sitting meditation. And it is my insistence that if bodies are to continue this quality, this gesture of relaxation over time, then we need to keep allowing subtle, uh, uh, constant, they're amoeba-like motions at every joint in the body in resilient, meaning yielding, response to the force of breath that wants to uh, uh, click, 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 make its transmitted way through the entire body not get stopped or uh, 
uh, held up in any way by tension or holding at any joint in the body. Uh, uh, it, you know, it wants to keep keep doing this, and this is how a wave moves through a body of water. Well, I want to help people experience how a breath can move in a very similar way through the human body that incidentally is largely water. You know, it's largely water in space, right? And so this again goes back to the central feature. What we're really after, this is what Tilopa says, the whole of spiritual practice, relax, do nothing, but let go, bring to awareness the reality. If there's tension there, ah, let it go. Let it go and keep letting it go. Keep riding these currents. So, you know, mostly when I sit in front of a hall of sitting meditators, you know, you know it strikes me initially, you, know, you look out, very good-hearted people, all of us, right? And But everybody is holding themselves so rigidly, so still, as though the goal of the practice is to become like a stone garden statue of, uh, you know, the Buddha or, you know, or Shiva, right? And uh, the, all that is doing is creating enormous tension and pain in the body. It's stopping breath in its tracks, so breath can't make this passageway through. The Buddha, his culminating uh, instruction on breathing is breathe through the whole body, not just observe it in a little small place, breathing through the whole body. And actually that very still holding, the opposite of resilience, bracing quality, uh, I've come to understand that that is fuel to the already out of control fire, the parade of the unbidden and random thoughts in the mind that we want to, in a sense, remember the second is the second uh, sutra, Patanjali, the goal of yoga is to calm the waves of the mind. That's right. right. Well, this rigidity, which is the opposite of this spontaneous, resilient quality of motion, just feels that which we'd like to see uh, uh, extinguished. So when you put those three pieces together, I think of them as like three legs of a stool. And each one is equally important and they feed uh, each other. I, you know, I sit down and for me, the sitting is just an exploration. What happens to this body, to this awareness, to this consciousness when I play with the upright? Ah, when I start awakening, the whole of the body, head to foot, the shimmer is there, felt, palpable. Uh, when it starts relaxing, and when I realize that every breath I take, there can be motion through the the entire body. And you know, I was thinking, and I know we're getting to the end of end of the hour. One thing that I might we might leave uh, you know all of all of your listeners with is when you're sitting in your meditation posture, which is you know, look, all of the wonderful yoga asanas. Ah, they work to the, oh, I can sit down now. Ah, this feels better. Okay, when we're doing that, start by paying attention to your spine and to how breath affects your spine. Now, for most of us, Laurel, that spine doesn't move. It might as well be a Roman or a Greek column. Mm -hmm. There's very little motion, but the spine is composed of 23 unique individual bones and the joints between the the vertebrae of the spine are no different from joints anywhere in the body they're there for one purpose and one purpose only ah that is to move so i often will instruct people as you take a uh, a breath in you know take a strong inhalation in 
and feel how that strong inhalation could go way down into uh, the body. And ah, the lumbar spine starts lengthening, extending. That then gets transmitted right up through the top of the head. Then relax the eyes and the sides of the cranium and open your eyes and merge with, uh, you know, with the world that we ordinarily conceive as outside of ourselves. And it's mm. a beautiful, beautiful practice. It's, you know, it's your undertaking. And with that, unbelievably, we've already come to the end of the, uh, the show. You've been listening to The Yoga Hour. It's been my pleasure to share this time with you. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, host and producer of the show. I've been discussing Embody Your Meditation Practice with Will Johnson, author of the book we've been discussing today, The Posture of Meditation, a practical manual for meditators of all traditions. You can find out more about Will Johnson, his books, teachings, and retreats at his website, embodiment.net. Thank you so much, Will, for joining me today on the Yoga Hour. I've really enjoyed speaking with you. Take care, Laurel. I enjoyed it, too. So for our listeners, we encourage you to join us for the many online programs offered by Yogacharya O'Brien and the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment, including morning meditation, which occurs daily from 6.30 to 7.30 a.m. Pacific, daily afternoon meditation from 4 to 4.30 p.m. Pacific, and Sunday satsangs from 10 to 11 a.m. every Sunday. Join us next week when I will be joined by Jenny Lee, author of the book Spark Change, 108 Questions for Spiritual Evolution. Our Yoga Hour episode is titled Questions That Spark Transformation. The Yoga Hour is a service project of the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment Meditation Center in the Kriya Yoga tradition. CSE welcomes people from all backgrounds who are seeking self and God realization, a path to spiritually conscious, fulfilled living today. Remember to subscribe to the Yoga Hour podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And if you are enjoying the podcast, maybe you want to share it with a friend. Thank you to the Yoga Hour team founder and spiritual director of the Yoga Hour, Yogacharya O'Brien, assistant producers Anne Hayes and Mickey Coronado, Jeff Comfort and Louis Pagan in the sound booth at unity.fm. I look forward to being with you again. Until then, remember, you carry your own healing and wholeness within you. Share your peace and joy with all you meet. And I hope you can join me Again next week for my conversation with Jenny Lee about questions that spark transformation. Bye now. Thanks for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Let go of everyday worries and find your calm with positive prayer from Silent Unity, the newest in voice-activated technology, available on any Alexa-enabled device like the Amazon Echo. Each prayer and meditation on positive prayer will help strengthen, guide, and comfort you. 
To enable it, just say, Alexa, open positive prayer. You can ask for a specific prayer on topics like healing, prosperity, and comfort. Give it a try today.